Hi, this is Jim Labano, and I'm president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on the BizTalk radio show. I started BizTalk so you'd have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group. At Performance Group, we work at the front end of a company's revenue stream. We find the salespeople who generate the revenue, and we provide onboarding programs that get them doing that sooner. Our passion is aligning talent with opportunity. That's why we're known as a Salesforce development company. Enjoy the program. On our program today, we have Mary Lou Tyler, CEO of Predictable Revenue Incorporated. For 25 years, Mary Lou has worked to crack the code for generating new business. Mary Lou began her career as a systems engineer developing operating system software. From there, she moved into product marketing and started her own company specializing in outbound lead generation processes. Her software allowed clients to track conversion rates at every step in the sales process. We're fortunate Mary Lou is willing to share her insights from the book she co-authored with Aaron Ross, Predictable Revenue, Turn Your Business into a Sales Machine, a proven outbound sales systems to grow revenue by 300% and make it more predictable. Mary Lou, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Well, the other great thing, Mary Lou, is the fact that you're in the hometown where BizTalk originates, which is Des Moines, Iowa. I am very fortunate to be in the Midwest. <laughs> so it's great having a local expert uh, actually on uh, actually on uh, BizTalk. So uh, you know that uh, you know the old joke, right? Uh, you're uh, you're a consultant if you're from uh, ten miles away. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're so you're ten miles from our studio. So this makes you an expert on the program here today. Yeah. Well, well, Mary Lou, interesting title predictable revenue and i don't know where i ran across this book it had to be an airport uh, where i pick up most of my book titles i went through this and i read this in my travels and it, a lot of interesting things and we want to get into that uh, with our audience and at the same time uh, how does a systems engineer who's developing software end up doing anything with sales well, that's a really good question. And back in the day when I graduated from college, I was the one and only girl in my graduating class in computer science and immediately got swept up into a company in Los Angeles called Xerox Corporation. And as I was in the data center working on projects, a lot of times users would come in with problems and needed to explain them to me in a way that I could then turn them around and explain to the development team. So I was always put into this customer service liaison role because I could talk to customers without going and yet technical at the same time. So what led to essentially was a career that was just on the border of technology and technicians and I did a lot of work in working with customers. So that was a natural way to get involved in customer service, then into marketing, and then into sales. Thanks for joining in on the conversation. On our program, we have Mary Lou Tyler, CEO of Predictable Revenue. And we're talking about her book, Predictable Revenue, Turning Your Business into a Sales Machine. Now, Mary Lou, I'm curious with your background as a software engineer and the discipline it takes to work in that field, how you feel that was beneficial in building out your program for predictable revenue? 
much so. I, I believe that my love of process and finding ways to accomplish goals and objectives and workflow using and leveraging technology to do that was the reason why this all came to be. It was my quest to find how people work through a problem and whether that problem can have steps that we can assign and automate. That was the biggest issue I was seeing is that a lot of sales is still to this day thought of as magic or winging it or whatever you want to call it, that every sale is different. I can't tell you how many times I hear that from sales VPs. It's not the case. There's a foundation. There's a path. There's a process. And because of my background, I find ways to automate that process so that we can replicate it and we can scale it. So, so Mary Lou, when did you come to that epiphany then in terms of looking at this as a process? That's, that's for the first question. And then the second question is, did you, when you're going through this, did you step back and say, well, this is so simple and so logic and so clear. Why can't these salespeople get this? Having been a sales executive for a number of years, uh, I mean, there is a finesse. There is a relationship that you're building with your prospect. And it does happen somewhere in the sales cycle where you're building this trust, rapport, credibility. But there is also step-by-step process in order to begin conversation, in order to engage, in order to compel the prospect to continue moving through the pipeline. And that doesn't really require a heck of a lot of finesse, but it does require hard work. And hard work is where you leverage the technology and systems and process and measure how well your process is working at every step of the way so that you can continually improve it. And this became, for me, paramount because I ran a 100-seat call center that generated outbound appointments in Los Angeles. So I had to have a systematic way of generating appointments daily by rep, and I was paid at risk. So it wasn't an hourly, we'll just do what we can. It was, I will produce X number of appointments per day at this cost. So it became very important that I found a way to generate a process that allowed me to predict how many appointments I could generate. Mary Lou, in your book, you talk about how buyers go through different stages, a funnel, if you were, before they make a purchase. Share with our audience how you structure these stages. Sure. The way that we set up is very similar to the way the old predictive dialing systems were back in the 80s and 90s. The first stage for us, because we're outbound, is that we are generating responses from a cold list. So we have cold accounts, people we've never contacted before, that we queue up and we start working on. Now, the book talks a lot about utilizing email to do that, but I've since found in working with clients that we need to integrate sometimes the phone into that process. But step one is to contact cold accounts. All we do and all we're looking for 
is the name of an internal referral in the company that can further our efforts towards getting a qualified opportunity. Once we find a name, that account then moves from cold to a working account. And the system automatically puts those records in working queues so that the sales rep knows that these accounts now have a name and we need to go to that next step of getting them from working to qualifying, which is the third step. And then all these steps have content, have scripts, have pending events, have compelling reasons for the prospect to move through the pipeline. Once they get to qualifying, then we decide if they're qualified or not, there's a handoff to a quota-carrying account executive that takes that account and furthers it onto the close. That is the premise, that is the structure of our pipeline in generating predictable revenue. And we'll talk in a second how we automate that using some type of uh, CRM system. But the, the other key component that lays on top of this process is the uh, the chunking out of activities. For example, in your book, you talk about having a specialist in your sales department. Those are the people that generate their leads, right? And there are people who then take and close those leads down. And there are people mm-hmm. who... Uh, basically our account managers who would uh, maintain that relationship and maybe cross-sell and upsell. But in your book, you build the case that there should be people in three different roles doing those things. Again, uh, radical thinking, Mary, you know? (laughs) Well, really, when you think about it, we call it specializing the roles, and it, it is the foundation of getting this thing up and running and predictable and scalable. And if you think about it, Let's, let's use the analogy of an athlete. An athlete specializes in his or her sport. You're not going to have an MMA fighter also practicing tennis because it doesn't work that way. They specialize in their field. They work very hard in their field, and they become experts. Now let's apply it to our pipeline. If we have people just hunting, just trying to get cold accounts, into warm referrals, they're going to get really, really good at doing that task. And if there's any blended leads, meaning inbound and outbound, that is something that you should look to separating as well and have people just handling inbound, people just handling outbound. And then once it enters the pipeline and becomes a qualified opportunity, and there are very stringent guidelines for what that is, then it's passed to a quota-carrying account executive, higher paid, who takes it the rest of the way to close. Once the account is closed, then an account manager who specializes in more of the touchy-feely, upsell, cross-sell, takes that account and works it to get more out of the account. You said two key things there that I picked up on. Number one, predictable. Number two, scalable. In your experience, having the separation of duties, is that the only way you can get to predictability and scalability in terms of predicting revenue growth? In the outbound channel, which is the separation of the hunter, the closer, and the farmer, 
that is the best way to determine predictability because you are in control of who you target, of the measurement of the return, and you can project out the revenue based on that one channel alone. When you have inbound work, you can't predict how many inbound leads you're going to get. It's really driven by your marketing program, word of mouth, public relations, but in the outbound channel, you are the driver. You're the one who's saying, this is an account that meets my criteria that I'm going to go after because I've done that research and they're targeted. And if you have a large volume of those, you can use that to predict and scale and also create a consistent pipeline. That's one of the biggest issues that I see still out there is the peaks and valleys of the pipeline. When you don't separate roles, your sales rep builds the pipeline, starts working the pipeline, and forgets to refill the pipeline. So you're always going with this peaks and valleys of not knowing how to forecast because your pipeline isn't consistent. Yeah, I, I call it roller coaster revenues. <laughs> exactly. This eliminates that. And it's the number one issue I still see out there after all these years. You know, people say more people on the street will give me more sales. Thanks for joining in on the conversation. Our guest today is Mary Lou Tyler, CEO of Predictable Revenue. We're fortunate that Mary Lou is sharing her insights from the book she co-authored with Aaron Ross, Predictable Revenue, Turn Your Business into a Sales Machine. In addition to Mary Lou sharing your expertise, you can find other experts that have shared their wisdom right here on BizTalk. They are available as podcasts on our website and cover business topics in the areas of recruiting, leadership, marketing, performance management, sales and sales management, and personal development. You can download those podcasts from our website at biztalkradioshow.com. That's B-I-Z, talkradioshow.com. Or you can subscribe to them through iTunes. All right, so, so Mary Lee, I, I can only imagine if I'm listening to this program and I say, gosh, this lady makes so much sense, and being in control and predictable of my revenue, I think every BP of sales would say, you know, sign me up for that program, right? But, but when you walk in, there's got to be some resistance when you go in the companies and say, you know, this is the way to do it, because there's structure in place and there's compensation in place and there's other things that are entrenched in the way we've always done it. How do you handle that resistance that this is the way it's always been done? Well, there is a level of right now in this world, I choose my clients. <laughs> and if they're, if they're that pushy on, their, on the separation of roles, if they put their you know, hands on fists and I'm not going to do it, they're not a good client for us. They're not going to get it. They have to at least be open to the fact that, you know what, what we're doing now is not working. So let's, let's, let's try this. Let's do this. And there are enough accounts out there now who have embraced this that it's kind of a no-brainer to actually look at it. And maybe you don't take your entire department. Maybe you take two SDRs, two, two folks, and, and put them in the side room here and just go after a vertical market. Try it on a new product, anything you need net new accounts on would be a great candidate. I'm working with a client now. It's a publicly held company. 
and they always have worked off their base. They don't have new clients, but they decided they wanted to try this, so they are coming out with a new product. It's almost as if they're a startup within a public company, and we're implementing it, the predictable revenue framework for them. So it's a mindset. If you're not making your numbers, if your forecasting is horrible, then it's time to look at something else. So people come to that realization is what you're saying. Thank you. And I'm very patient. <laughs> I think you would have to be. Okay. Exactly. So Mary Lou, what are some of the other fears sales leaders or salespeople have when you start chunking out the different areas of responsibility on their customer acquisition process? Another big fear of salespeople is I need control of that account. Yeah. I have to build that rapport. I have to have that relationship. And you know what? It's I was the SDR for a long time because I was testing this out, obviously. I'm more of a hunter than I am a closer. And clients love spending time with you, but when it's time to move on to the expert, they're happy to do so. And if the handoff is done in a way where you release control of them and let the AE take over, it works. Not a problem. I've done it with huge accounts and small accounts, and it works. Yeah, and I also think it's probably just a sign of the times that uh, that people are probably more open or conditioned to dealing with different people inside an organization today for, for whatever reason. Another distinction you talk about in your book that is, again, counterintuitive to how most of us salespeople think, and that is all leads are not created equal. You know, typically we want to react when a lead comes through, whether it's through the website or the phone call through referral, is to jump right on it and put our best efforts forward. So how do you differentiate between the quality of leads? Well, a lot of this came to, to bear when we were sitting in quarterly business reviews with board members and CEOs, and they were discussing forecasts and pipelines and realizing very quickly that they were lumping leads into one bucket. So what we came up with was, no, not all leads are created equal, in fact, marketing leads, you're casting a wide net and you're bringing in all kinds of people. So you cannot give that a higher value because just because it's a higher volume of leads coming in. On the outbound side, we remember we're targeting accounts. We are only calling those people who are highly profitable for us and have the highest likelihood of closing. So we get those in our pipeline they have a higher value. And then, of course, the coveted lead would be word of mouth or referral. Again, lower volume but higher value. So we spent a lot of time working with companies trying to get them to understand that you can't just lump leads into one bucket and call that a forecast of probability. And that's how that all came about. And we're still holding true today especially with social media and all of the Twitter and LinkedIn, all the leads that are coming in that way, a lot of people are just kicking the tires. They're not qualified. And that's what I experienced firsthand when I went and worked for a company in Seattle was they had a lot of leads. They were mostly inbound, and they were mostly not qualified. So necessity caused us to say, 
we can't rely on just inbound. We have got to have an outbound stream where we're targeting who we want to work with. And I still see that today a lot. In your book, you call them spears, seeds, and nets, which I yes. a great the way of... meaning, yeah, you're throwing a spear because you're targeting something. The nets are you're casting a wide net out, which is usually marketing programs. And the seeds are the, the coveted ones that you're planting the seed for growth with word of mouth and referral. So over the years, you've probably seen a lot of change. You know, the buzzword today is inbound marketing. It's all inbound marketing. I see a lot of people, you know, really putting most of their efforts now behind inbound marketing. What's your opinion on that? Is there a balance between the inbound and outbound? What have you experienced about that fitting into your system? I love the inbound channel because it forces companies to create compelling content. And what we do is we take that compelling content, we repurpose it for our outbound efforts with the onus on us to then move companies through the pipeline. So the inbound channel, because of the content that surrounds it, is an important part of generating predictable revenue. The mix is going to depend on the company. Salesforce at the time was about 40% inbound, 40% outbound, and 20% of the word-of-mouth referral. So there is a mix, and it's more of trial and error to figure out what the perfect mix is. But relying solely on inbound, if your sales are greater than 10000 a month, is not a good way to run a business. One chapter of your book, you talk about the fatal mistakes of CEOs and, and VPs of sales. Share with our audience what, what those are. The seven are essentially what we've been talking about. The first one is understanding the sales and lead gen flow. And a lot of times CEOs delegate that function and don't really have a good understanding and the book actually talks about Aaron's experience of not knowing sales or lead generation and how it led to his company going under. So that was a big one, and we still see that today. The second one is what we talked about where account executives should do everything, prospecting, closing, farming. And that's one, the jack-of-all-trades mistake that I still see a lot out there today. The third one is a channel sales, which we don't see a lot of that now, but it's assuming that you're going to have a product where you're going to sell through channels, and then the channel will do the work for you to sell. If you can't sell internally, it doesn't make sense to try to hire a channel to do it for you. Fourth mistake is hiring, and we cover that a lot in the book, of how to hire the right people for the right role. And there's some actual good videos on the PredictableRevenue.com website on hiring and how, that, how it should be done. The fifth mistake is that we think more about us and less about the customer. So our emails talk about how great we are instead of the compelling reasons why customers should buy from us. And that's where I think inbound is really great because we can repurpose that material of getting people to click and link to a website because they're interested. And so we're really fixing that one quite a bit with 
the blending of inbound work. The sixth mistake is ubiquitous, and that's the sloppy tracking and measurement. It's still one of the things that we constantly go in and correct. And it's the difference between vanity metrics and metrics that we can actually use that are actionable. A lot of times we see the vanity metrics, and that's what causes the problem of forecasting. When we switch them over to actionable metrics, they have a more realistic view. It's not as pretty, but it's there, and it's right. So if you can only track, you know, a few of them, we have a list on the website of where you should track to get a true actionable forecast that you can believe in. And then the last one is the command and control management. And that's when the VP of sales wants to be in charge of everything. Instead of letting his team become self-directed and self-managing, the self-managing and self-directed teams allow us to grow and scale the pipeline. And that's another area that I'm not seeing as much because if you embrace the fact that we're separating roles, then the VP of sales has a lot of stuff on his plate. So we do delegate, we do have leads, we do switch the leads periodically in each of those pods of sales roles, and it's working out really nicely. So Mary Lou, you talk about one of those mistakes being in the hiring. Biggest mistake you see in the hiring area is what? Not really getting the right person for the role. I can't tell you how many people do not interview on the phone or have people write emails for the roles where you need to do that. You know, it's crazy not to interview someone and do a phone interview if they're going to be on the phone 80% of the time. And looking at the emails that they're writing, that should be part of the interview process, is have them take a fictitious product and write emails to compel people to go from a cold to a working to a qualifying to an escalation. And we don't see that. Mary Lou, you're with a president of a company today. The one piece of advice you're giving them is what? Really think about your sales structure. Think about your process. And figure out ways that you can maximize process throughout the organization. Having no process is not good. Having some kind of process is better than nothing. That would be my main advice. Thanks for joining in on the conversation. Our guest today is Mary Lou Tyler, CEO of Predictable Revenue. She's been sharing her expertise and insight from over 25 years of helping companies predict their revenue. She's cracked the code on generating new business, and we're pleased to have her on the program. Mary Lou, before we started, you and I talked that you have a special offer for our listeners today. Would you share that with them? Yes, I am very, first of all, I'm so thrilled that I'm in the next town. (laughs) This is just great. (laughs) Uh, Even though I'm a transplant from San Francisco, it's just wonderful to be in Des Moines, Iowa. And I was hoping if there are a lot of Midwest listeners that they will take advantage of this offer that I'm putting out, which is I'm giving away 100 copies of, of the book, Autographs. And if you go to strategicpipeline.com slash 
Biz Talk Radio Show. So it's just the way you know how to spell the website for Biz Talk Radio Show. And the URL is strategicpipeline.com. There'll be an offer for the book, and you just leave your information, and we'll get a copy out to you as soon as uh, we get your information. Well, I appreciate that. I'm sure the audience does too. And I don't care what role you are in sales. You you will pick up this book and it'll give you great insight. Okay. So I'm sure they appreciate that. And Mary Lou, is there one question today I should have asked you that I haven't? Yes, there is. And I get this a lot. There are solo entrepreneurs. There are people out there running their own businesses that want to implement a process like this but they're only one person. So how do we go about doing that? And I want to let them know that on the website as well, when they go to that link, there'll be a section just for people who are solo entrepreneurs and CEOs of their own company of one, of how to implement a process like this using only one person. I think that's great. And that's a big chunk of uh, the people out there uh, using consulting practices that that try to. In fact, I talked to a gentleman the other day that uh, said, you know, the biggest problem is when he's consulting, he's not out selling, and he needs to do both. So I think that's good. Right, Mary Lou, you work with a lot of companies. You're paying attention to what's going on in sales. What's the biggest change you've noticed in sales over the last few years? I think the focus on you know what I hate to use cliche terms, but the voice of the customer is really becoming paramount because the customer has now changed. We, the buyer has all of the tools at our fingertips to learn, research, understand more about products. So it's no longer that salespeople have the magic key to figure out if we're good enough for this product, if we like this product, if we like this company. We have that role now as a buyer of total control over this process. So I think that is a major change that salespeople who are wise are rising to the occasion and looking at that and trying to figure out how to implement that buyer journey within their sales cycle. Mary Lou, if people want to learn more about what you do, uh, where, can, where can they go to contact you or, or learn about uh, predictable revenue? They can go to strategicpipeline.com, which is my consulting practice, and or send me an email, marylou at strategicpipeline.com. The predictablerevenue.com site is full of information about the book, and there's a, that's a great site to go to. There's a lot of videos. A lot of training videos that I've done are on that website to get you started. The strategicpipeline.com website has three sample email templates that you can use today to start reaching out to people you don't know. And they've been tried and true and work really well. So I put those out there on the website to get people started. Mary Lou, thanks for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me. Enjoy the beautiful weather we're having here. Yeah, great time to be in Iowa. (laughs) You got it. This or other BizTalk podcast may be downloaded by visiting our website, biztalkradioshow.com, where you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at BizTalk1040 and like us on Facebook. If you want to learn the strategies finding and getting performance out of A-player salespeople, 
Contact Performance Group by calling 800-950-9509 or visit us on the web at pmgllc.net. This has been your host, Jim Lovato.